Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tiamani. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I know this is something that you will probably love, but before we get this this show started, I wanted to let everybody know there will be a new free exhibition in the company of Harold Prince, Broadway producer, director, collaborator at the New York Public Library for the Performing Arts that will explore Prince's creative trajectory and showcase the team of designers, stage managers, press agents, composers, and writers he worked with throughout his career. The uh, exhibit will open on September 18th and will be on display through March 31st. So make your plans if you are a New York resident or going to be visiting anytime from this fall through next spring to uh, head over to the New York Public Library's Donald and Mary Owenslager Gallery to check this out. This seems like a must-do for all theater fans. You'll be able to see it too then. Oh yeah, absolutely. If not, if not uh, more than once, I will be moving in there. So yeah, maybe you'll have better Wi-Fi there than you do. At your I, I hope so. It could. It only goes up from here. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so <laughs> Ashley, let's get into the news. We already know that on Sunday the prom closed at the Long Acre Theater, but on Monday we got not one but two new musicals announcing their plans to play the venue this season. Ashley, just off the top of my head, and I don't have Peter Felicia levels of theatrical recall, but I can't remember something like this ever happening in a non-subscription house. Obviously, with like Roundabout or Second Stage or Manhattan Theater Club announces their season, we get multiple shows going sure, into the theater. Right. But two for-profit commercial runs being announced in the same venue on the same day that have no relationship with each mm-hmm. other. I don't know that that's ever happened Pretty big. that I can think of. Um, but the first will obviously be a limited run, and that is of The Lightning Thief, colon, the Percy Jackson musical. Following an off-Broadway stint and a national tour, the show with a book by Joe Trax and a score by Rob Rakicki will start a 16-week run on September 20th with an opening night on October 16th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow for American Express card members, then on Audience Rewards on the 19th, and then for the rest of us ne'er-do-wells on the 21st. No cast was announced, but considering that the tour of the show closed like two weeks ago and performances start in five weeks, I would imagine that we will hear fairly soon about that. And I would be surprised if uh, we didn't get that entire company back, maybe with the one change, Ashley, of getting Mm. George Salazar back in after he couldn't do the tour because he had to be more chill. Right, that'd be very nice. I'll listen to George Salazar sing the phone book, so. People say that all the time, but I don't know that I would actually ever listen to someone sing the phone book because, like, <laughs> that gets really repetitive. It would have, I mean, it depends on who the composer is, of course. It'd be a lot of Smiths. Smith, <laughs> Smith, Smith, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's a good beat. Um, anyway, so while The Lightning Thief will be closing in January, another new musical will take over the Long Acre beginning in early March. This is the new musicalization of the life of Princess Diana, appropriately called Diana. Directed by Christopher Ashley, the show is written by Joe DiPietro and David Bryan, and will begin performances on March 2nd with a March 31st opening night. The show had tepid at best reviews during its sold out in multi-extended run at the La Jolla Playhouse this past spring, but it will bring its stars from that out-of-town tryout, uh, Janet Wall as Diana, Ro Hartramfass as Prince Charles, uh, Aaron Davy as Camilla Parker Bowles, and the great Judy Kay 
as Queen Elizabeth. Now, actually, I could be wrong. I often am. But mm. when I look at these two shows, I see two shows that are coming to Broadway for far different reasons and with far different expectations. Right. I think Lightning Thief is coming in off of a successful off-Broadway run and a successful tour because as long as you're not a moron, uh, all tours are pretty successful since so much of them by nature are sold by subscription. Right. Um, even though this one was a little different than that. Uh, but still, I, I, I think this Broadway run, while they would love for it to be successful and sell out, I think that this is more of an important investment in the future life of the property, even if nobody outside of the already fervent fan base comes to see it. They are investing mm. in this as a marketing tool to be able to increase the royalty rights that they can charge and to get folks to know of the show more at regional uh, college, high school community right, theaters right, to right. hopefully do it in the future. Yeah. Diana, on the other hand, I mean, the last time that this team worked together, the writers and the director, they won a Tony for best musical with Memphis. Right. You know, whatever qualms you have about that show, which are many, they have a best musical Tony. Right. So I doubt that they are seeing this, Diana as a loss leader for the future licensing of that musical. I just think it's a very curious choice to bring to Broadway at this point, especially after seeing both the reviews and the clips that went around from it. I mean, you know, the Lightning Thief, as you said, already has its fan base around it. Oh, and very much so. Yeah. This is, again, as you said, it's a property that's coming to Broadway to expand that kind of, you know, franchising may not be the right word, but it no, kind but of I know is what you mean. franchising. Yeah, yeah I, I I don't know what to do with Diana. <laughs> Look, I think that there is a wonderful show in Somewhere the story in of Princess Diana. Of I think it would probably be better as a play. Yes. Um, or absolutely. as in something sweeping a la, uh, you know, Evita. You know, or, or something like that. I don't know if having the show by the people who wrote the Toxic Avenger musical um, right. makes sense for the scope and the pathos of this story. Different writers for a variety of reasons would be a well, very good choice. And you got you got three white dudes uh, telling this story about yeah. one of the world's most famous women. But that's yeah. that's neither. Love I mean, it, it is here love or to, there. But love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so we will see. Um, I, I wish them both well. I, I have my hesitations about both. But like I said, with right. Lightning, I, I feel like these producers know what they're getting into here, especially because one of the writers for The Lightning Thief, Joe Trax, was also Just the book writer for Broadway. Be More Chill. Yep. And, and because George Salazar traverses between both of these properties, um, I feel like they know that a lot of their fans are going to be the same. And they saw what yeah. happened with Be More Chill. But I would imagine exactly. that the producers of Be More Chill will see significant long-term positive impacts because of the Broadway run mm -hmm. on Absolutely. how they're able to, to get this show done in the future. And I feel like Percy Jackson is probably going to be in the same place. Mm -hmm. Diana, they already had their money for Broadway before they went to La Jolla. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think this is was just one of those things where it was a done deal no matter what those reviews said. Right. And, I mean, despite the fact that the reviews weren't great, it sold super well, extended multiple oh, times. Yeah. So clearly the word of mouth wasn't that horrible. No, people want to see a spectacle. But as you said, as far as Be More Chill, you know, no matter how that run ended up doing and, you know, how people perceived it, 
you're right. It's absolutely going to be easier for people to produce future versions of that show, either at regional levels or school levels or national levels. So, you know, in the end, only good really comes out of it for both Be More Chill and for The Lightning Thief. I mean, other than the millions of dollars that were lost on Broadway, but our point still stands. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta gotta lose something. (laughs) You can't make money if you're afraid to lose it. So uh, I don't know if people say that, but I just made it up. But anyway, all right, Ashley, let's take a look at last week's Broadway grosses, where things remained pretty much level for the second week in a row. This time, the grosses rose the cost of two Hamilton tickets and a pair of can-can seats at Moulin Rouge, (laughs) (laughs) $77,127. Thank it you sounds the, like sounds like the, the worst uh, ante ever, or the best. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> two of the three shows that saw six-figure increases were "Be More Chill" and "The Prom," which obviously closed on Sunday. "Be More Chill" was up just a smidge under 150k to come in at 194 thousand dollars in its final frame, while "The Prom" was up almost 107 thousand to close its Broadway run at 916 thousand. The other show with more than 100K gained from the previous week was Moulin Rouge, which kicked out all of those awful press folks with comp tickets. <clears throat> Ashley. Uh, wow, and, <laughs> and the extravaganza increased $143,000 to come in at $2,130,934. That was good enough to put it at third on the week behind Hamilton at $3,040,621 and The Lion King at just under $2.5 also north of a cool million was To Kill a Mockingbird in fourth at 1.9, Wicked at 1.77 in fifth, then Aladdin, Ain't Too Proud, Cursed Child, Frozen, Hades Town, Dear Evan Hansen, The Phantom of the Opera, The Book of Mormon, Beetlejuice, and Mean Girls. Barry Manilow was next on that list with $960,000 in just five performances. Then down at the other end of the scale, Oklahoma was actually on the bottom of the grosses ladder with 508000 ish Still playing at over 90% capacity, but its gross potential was just under 68%. Not so okay. No. Oh, I see what you did there. Well <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't Okay, L-A-H-O-M-A. Couldn't, couldn't um, <laughs> the only show to display a substantive decline, Ashley, was Seawall A Life, which dipped $170,579 during the week that it opened. I would imagine that this is at least in part due to all of the press and opening night freebies. But sure. for this show to come in at just under 625K is a bit surprising to me, don't you think? Especially yeah. considering that you are nothing, if not an objective arbiter of truth when it comes to one <laughs> Jacob Benjamin Gyllenhaal. I am, absolutely. I don't know. I think for the most part, he's probably the only selling factor. And that's no, you know, that's not saying anything bad about the material. It's just how many people, without knowing that Jake Gyllenhaal is attached, know what Seawall of Life is. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And Tom Sturridge, while he might be a star to some, is not necessarily a name. Sure, exactly. That's going to bring in a ton of folks uh, on the Broadway. But uh, hopefully now that they've gotten rid of all the press folks, this will continue to increase at the box office. Almost all the press folks. Oh, you? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> fair oh, enough always, okay always me 
always last to the party. Um, okay, let's wrap up today's show with some quick hits, Ashley. First, yesterday, Hannah Gadsby's Douglas announced a third and final extension at the Daryl Roth Theater. The show will now play through September 14th. We got another off-Broadway extension yesterday as well, this time for a show that I don't think I'd actually heard of until I saw Helen Shaw and Casey Mink both tweet about it on Monday morning. It is yeah. Rinse, Repeat, playing at the Signature Center. Yeah. The show by uh, Dominica Farood, I believe is how it's pronounced, and directed by Kate Hobson, Hopkins, will now play through August 24th. So uh, they both raved about it. I believe Helen Shaw is a friend of the playwright, so uh, definitely look into that one. I've been looking forward to this one. It was, it was on my radar, especially when we were looking through the schedule for this week on Broadway. Um, to do our season preview, and I saw that. I was like, ah, absolutely. So I'm hoping to get to that before it closes. I believe that it's a it's a rental at the signature. It's not right. a signature production, right? Yeah, I think okay. so. That yeah, I believe right. that's true. Okay. Also, yesterday we learned about Keen Company's two show season. The slate will consist of Brian Friel's gorgeous play Molly Sweeney, directed by Jonathan Silverstein, beginning on October 23rd. Then on February 4th, performances will begin for Pearl Kleeg's uh, Blues for an Alabama Sky. Now, actually, is 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 Pearl Kleeg a playwright that you are familiar with? She is very well known in the South and especially in Atlanta where she lives and is just finishing up her second three-year term as the playwright in residence mm. at the Alliance Theater. Yeah, not so familiar, but now I'll have to ask all my Atlanta folks. Yeah, she's a, a novelist and a playwright. The, the Alliance, when I lived in Atlanta, did a lot of her shows. Um, I think I've seen one or two of them, but I, at this point, I'm my memory sucks, so I can't remember what they were. Uh, but anyway, this will be the first time that Blues for an Alabama Sky, which was uh, originally premiered in 1999, has ever played New York. So that's pretty exciting. Okay, to wrap things up, first, yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced that they would be presenting the new show, Heroes of the Fourth Turning, by Will Arbery and directed by Dania Tamor, beginning on September 13th. In Heroes of the Fourth Turning, four young conservatives have gathered at a backyard after party in rural Wyoming. One week following the Charlottesville riot and two days before the 2017 solar eclipse, they've returned home to toast their mentor, Gina, newly inducted as the first female president of a tiny Catholic college. But as their reunion spirals into spiritual chaos and clashing generational politics, it becomes less a celebration than a vicious fight to be understood. Now, Ashley, I did not get to see Will Arbery's play no either time that it played in New York. So I'm really, really hoping that this one extends until the point where I'm in town in November. I will definitely be catching this one. Yeah, play no was one of those shows that is uh, every time somebody saw it, they raved about it. And I have no idea what it's about other than. It's named after a city in Texas, I guess. I don't know if that's what the where the name comes from or not. I'm just assuming. Anyway, okay, and last but certainly not least, on Monday, the Classic Stage Company announced that real-life husband and wife Corey Stoll and Nadia Bowers will be playing Macbeth and Lady Macbeth in the Scottish play Off-Broadway from October 10th through December 15th under the direction of John Doyle, so presumably they will also be playing instruments as yes. well, Ashley. I forgot who tweeted it. Someone said there will obviously be someone playing bagpipes. Corey Stoll oh. will be playing bagpipes. I'm I'm sorry that I didn't make that joke instead of the one that I did make uh, because that's a much better uh, Macbeth John credit, Doyle joke. Than credit I. credit to whoever tweeted it. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't remember who. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's great though. Yeah, um, there will definitely be bagpipes, but um, I I really enjoy classic stage company productions. Yeah, when you throw absolutely. in the Scottish play 
and Corey Stoll. Like, I love duh. Corey Stoll. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all we've got for today. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ashley, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, folks. Uh, as you head into your Tuesday, head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, all the places, mm. and uh, leave us a rating and review. Your positive feedback helps other people find us, especially because Apple's jacking up all of the way that they list shows. So uh, that will be very helpful if you uh, do that. So anyway, have a great Tuesday. And Ashley and I should be back to talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you.